0: Hello everyone and welcome to the show where we are talking about our health, where we're talking about being free of disease, where we're talking about looking good and feeling good, living longer and living stronger. Welcome to the Health and Sexy Show, a show meant for health conscious men and women of all ages, men and women of all ages who wish to learn more about their health and take better control of it. A show meant for anyone who is at risk for or suffers from chronic disease. And a show meant for anyone who wishes to help a family member or others who are at risk for or suffer from chronic disease. Welcome to our 13th episode. This is going to be a two-parter. I'm going to let you know that up front. As always, if you have suggestions or would like to hear more, on a particular topic, direct message me on Instagram at SeanFit50. That's Instagram at seanfit F I T five zero. I really appreciate all of your comments and feedback. I have to make a qualifying statement before I get into this episode. Before I get into this episode, y'all, I am going to have to make a qualifying statement. There is a very common sentiment that there are two things that you avoid discussing. One of those being religion and the other being politics. Why should you avoid discussions on these topics anyway? Well, because they usually result in significant disagreement and sometimes hostile arguments due to the strong personal beliefs that people hold. In relation to these subjects. Don't talk about their politics. Don't talk about their religion. And there is no change in these beliefs in most cases. No matter how how absurd someone else may think they are. The more evidence you provide. That proves them wrong. The harder they fight back and try to defend their positions. This is one of the major reasons why I love and respect my father-in-law. My pop so much. I've mentioned this story before. We can talk about anything. I mean anything including religion and politics. And we don't always disagree. Better yet we seldom agree. And did I just say talk? I meant to say we can argue about anything. And I'm a master arguer. I'm so good that I will often choose a point of view that I don't believe in personally just to see. If I can defend it and if the other person can defend their position and I'm talking about a defense based in facts that you can check on the spot. Google to the rescue. We are fact checking y'all. We are fact checking when you argue with me. Many people believe that if it makes sense to them, then it is somehow a fact that supports their argument. This is not true. It doesn't matter how many times you repeat a false statement. It does not make it the truth. To give you an idea, an idea of the extent of my arguments with my pops, we once had a nearly 18 hour argument, 18 hours, as we drove from Tuscaloosa, Alabama to Miami, Florida, and then turned around and drove all the way back. Nine hours one way. We argued the first nine and we flipped it around and argued another nine. Unbeknownst to me, he was starting arguments just to ensure I wouldn't get sleepy. And boy, did that ish work. We debated about so many diverse topics, everything under the sun, so many topics that I cannot really remember the conversation, just the experience. What's so special is that after each and every time we lock horns, you know, we're two old bulls, so we lock horns. We can go right back to whatever we were doing and our relationship and feelings are not affected at all. Very special. This is very refreshing, but it's not the typical case. What we will discuss on this episode is a very polarizing and political issue, one that has garnered headlines for the last nine months at least. Just for background sake, so we all understand what a polarizing issue is, it's an issue that results in some very strong and contrasting opinions. Polarizing issues tend to lead to confrontation, and I want to explicitly state that being confrontational is not my intent. It's solely to provide facts, to provide facts and consensus opinions. And in cases of personal opinion, I will let you know, but I will do my best to keep my opinion out of this. I'm going to talk about the C word, ladies and gentlemen, the C word as in coronavirus, as in COVID-19 and how it pertains not only to your health, but the health of the United States and the world. I feel compelled to talk about this subject because everywhere you are hearing people with strong opinions who are getting some important details about coronavirus right and some equally important details very wrong. And I'm talking about both sides of the argument. I'm not picking sides, uh, picking politi- political parties or politics. There's rights and wrongs on both sides. And I want to try to clarify some of that. Now the Health and Sexy Show podcast is meant to be informative only and like anything else in life, the things that apply today may not apply tomorrow. Things change, y'all. The science and understanding of this virus is evolving because it did not exist prior to the initial outbreak in China. And even when we do make new discoveries and and determine new information about the coronavirus, it may not apply to 100% of the cases. The medical medical community has a saying when it comes to patients and disease and is that the body does not read books. This is a simple way to say that things may be different in reality and books are guides and not absolutes. We are not cars where you can connect diagnostics computers and get an idea as to what is wrong and what the solution may be. We're more complex than that. Remember, as always, if you have questions or concerns about anything regarding your health, you should seek assistance from a qualified medical professional. When you look at the news feed on your smartphone or turn on the local or national news and listen to the discussions surrounding coronavirus, these discussions are very diverse. They hit on many different things. To be able to digest the information about this disease, a basic understanding is required, and many lack this basic understanding. So let's start with some COVID-19 fundamentals. For starters, what is COVID-19? Well, COVID-19 is a type of coronavirus. It's named SARS-CoV-2 that was traced back to bats and not from eating bats, but bats infected other animals that eventually transmitted the disease to humans. This totally new virus originated in China And was traced back to December 2019 due to cases of pneumonia caused by this virus, also known as lung infections. And these pneumonias were traced back to live animal markets, also called wet markets. Sounds like a pretty unhospitable place to buy your groceries, buy your meat. A wet market. In these crowded outdoor markets, vendors are selling dead animals like in a normal butcher shop or grocery store, as well as live animals. Bringing the virus close to proximity to humans, and the virus was able to jump from animals to humans, as coron- coronaviruses are sometimes capable of doing. <laughs> I guess people are going and buying their possum and taking it home and stewing them, and probably giving the name before they place it in the pot. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, this disease, the coronavirus, has since spread quite robustly from human to human over time, and since December, with over 5 million cases confirmed to date in the United States alone. So how is it spread? We know it originated in bats. Well, there are many diseases and they spread in several different ways. You have bloodborne spread of disease, which is disease that spreads through the blood and bodily secretions. You have spread through respiratory droplets and spread by eating contaminated foods or touching contaminated surfaces and putting your hands in your mouth, nose, or eyes prior to washing them. When I think about diseases and how they are spread, I always think about my old parasitology professor. Parasitology is just what it sounds like. It's the study of parasites from intestinal worms and lung and liver flukes to malaria and sleeping sickness. My parasitology professor, this funny young fellow, was a rotund black man With a shiny bald head and a smile and energy level just like the guy from the old tab soda commercials. He loved what he did and nothing excited him more than telling his students how people contracted intestinal parasites. By eating poop is what he would excitingly say to detail how some unfortunate person contracted a parasite from someone equally unfortunate. After a semester with him all all of his students washed their hands at least 10 times a day. Well, COVID-19 isn't spread by eating poop, but primarily through respiratory droplets. These droplets can spread through the air from a cough, from a sneeze, or simply talking. As most of you have probably been mortified while speaking and noticing drops of spit fly from your mouth, a little saliva popping out when you're talking makes you feel pretty darn bad. This means instead of poop, you may be eating someone's spit when you catch the coronavirus, still not a... Very appetizing option, by the way. COVID-19 can also spread when an infected person's respiratory droplets come in contact with your eyes or nose or you inhale these respiratory droplets. It can spread when infected droplets land on surfaces and someone comes by later and touches the unclean surface and then touches their mouth, eyes or nose without washing their hands in between. And coronavirus can live for hours to days on surfaces. On surfaces so that, you know, depending on the conditions such as sunlight and warmer temperatures that decrease the duration, the virus survives. Another th- another thing to remember is that a person does not have to be sick to be carrying and spreading SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19. Those who are old enough can remember when AIDS and HIV first came out and they always said, well, you can't just look at a person and tell if they have HIV or AIDS or not. Same thing applies to COVID-19. They don't always show signs of sickness. They have asymptomatic carriers, and this is what called asymptomatic spread. And it's probably the most worrisome method of transmission because of the number of unprotected people a presymptomatic or asymptomatic person can come into contact with. At this point, ep- at this point in the epidemic. If you are sick or someone appears sick, we have enough knowledge to know that we need to avoid that person. At least we know we need to put on a mask at a a minimum. And the person who is sick or feels sick is at this time or at this point in the pandemic has enough knowledge to understand and to know that they need to be tested for COVID-19. And how do you test for COVID-19? Well, there are two basic types of tests used to detect the 2019 novel coronavirus in an infected person. And there is a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to this testing. One type of test looks for the virus itself or the antigen and it can tell if a person is currently infected. The second type of test can detect if a person has been infected in the past and looks for their response to the virus known as antibodies. That have that have been produced which can take up to one to three weeks to show up in the blood antigen or diagnostic testing is recommended to detect acute or current infections test samples are collected from the respiratory system usually using nasal swabs and I heard these swabs are pretty uncomfortable I've had colleagues who've been tested and (laughs) they were not happy with the collection of the specimen I guess it you know goes all the way in the back of your nose into your throat to get an adequate sample. Point-of-care tests have been developed that can take less than an hour to complete and tell you if you have coronavirus or not. Most people will have their specimens analyzed in a laboratory that can take up to 48 hours to complete once they are received. You've probably seen the recent headlines with athletes and you have some politician or two who have tested positive for coronavirus one day only to have a negative test when it is repeated a few days later. These antigen tests can be inaccurate in two ways, either positive when a person is not infected. This is called a false positive or a false negative when a person is actually infected. But the specimen was either collected too early or too late in the infectious process and the result comes back negative and they actually have the infection. A false positive result tends to be rare because, as I mentioned, the test actually detects COVID-19 genetic material. They're testing for the virus itself. This means that the viral test is highly specific. And if you test positive, then you are almost assuredly infected with COVID-19. Remember that. So I know now you're wondering what happened to the, in the incidences and the cases of the people, the politicians and athletes who had the false positives. What caused that to happen then? You know, your friends have probably been talking about it. The news has definitely been talking about these false positives. I'm not sure of the individual cases and why those individual cases were false positives. But COVID-19 tests are brand new. I'm talking about recently invented because the COVID virus wasn't known about. At least COVID-19 wasn't known about prior to its outbreak here recently. And there are testing glitches that have been identified with certain test manufacturers. And these glitches can cause up to a 3% false positive rate. What this means is that for every 100 tests that come back positive, up to three of those tests may not be truly positive. And, and, And this is known. And for that reason, it has been recommended that positive tests from certain manufacturers be verified using confirmatory testing from another manufacturer. False negative tests are a lot more problematic since people who test negative but actually have the disease can continue to spread the coronavirus. Not a good thing. Researchers at Johns Hopkins estimate that false negative rate with diagnostic testing can be up to 20 percent. Depending on the timing of the test, whether it's early in the infection or too late when the infection has resolved. As I've mentioned, specimens for testing, for diagnostic testing, are uncomfortable. They are difficult to obtain, and suboptimal specimens can increase the likelihood of a false negative result in a person who actually has the virus. On to antibody testing. Antibody testing is not recommended to be used for early detection of infection. That's not the purpose of antibody testing. Again, this is because it takes one to three weeks for a person to develop these antibodies after their COVID infection. Antibody testing is primarily used to determine whether a person was previously infected. So why is this useful? Well, recurrence of COVID-19 infection, meaning catching it again after you've been infected previously is uncommon, which means that the antibodies may provide some degree of protection as the presence of antibodies correlate with a decreased amount of virus in the respiratory tract. The virus is causing the body to respond, produce antibodies, and these antibodies may be protective. That's why we want to know about them and whether you've been infected. The presence of antibodies may also decrease the likelihood a person can pass the virus to others. Well, despite all the magnificent data, it's still uncertain whether individuals with antibodies are protected against reinfection. So you can catch the coronavirus and, and, and it runs its course and you no longer have the infection and you may be exposed to it again and possibly can get reinfected. We're not completely sure about that yet. And what should be done if you do test positive or come into contact with someone who tests positive and how do you know when it's again safe to come into contact with others? Well, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control now recommends a symptom-based strategy be used in cases of mild to moderate COVID-19 infection. The symptom-based strategy is used to determine when a person with confirmed infection can end their isolation and return to usual activities since he or she is considered no longer infectious. Three criteria must be met to achieve clearance. The first is at least 10 days must have passed since Your symptoms first appeared. Second, at least 24 hours must have passed since your last fever without the use of any fever reducing medications. And third, symptoms must have improved. For severely ill, critically ill or immunocompromised patients with COVID-19 infections, they must meet the same symptom based criteria. The only difference is that at least 20 days must have passed since symptoms first appeared. Instead of 10 days, they must have 20 days since their symptoms first appeared. Along with the other two criteria, they have to have at least 24 hours without a fever, without using any type of fever, reducing medication, and their symptoms must have improved. Studies have shown, if you meet these criteria, that there are no longer any virus capable of replicating itself and causing further infections. A test-based strategy to discontinue transmission precautions earlier can be considered under special circumstances. Many infected individuals will have prolonged viral shedding, making this approach less effective. This strategy can be considered for severely immunocompromised patients who have been infectious for more than 20 days. Criteria for symptomatic patients include resolution of fever, again without using fever reducers, improvement in symptoms, and negative result from at least two consecutive respiratory specimens collected more than 24 hours apart. Asymptomatic patients require two negative respiratory specimens collected more than 24 hours apart. They don't have any symptoms, so they don't need any symptoms to resolve or fever to resolve. They just need the two negative respiratory specimens for coronavirus that were taken at least 24 hours apart. This appears to be the testing strategy that is being used in professional sports to clear athletes for competition. You've been watching the the NBA bubble or NHL or Major League Baseball. They've been using the testing strategies to clear their athletes to return to competition or to even start competition. How can you protect your family and yourself from COVID-19? Well, first of all, if you. Or a family member are having symptoms consistent with coronavirus infections, don't be selfish. You need to self-isolate. Seek medical help if your symptoms worsen, such as you start to experience shortness of breath, you have any type of chest discomfort, if your face or lips are bluish, which can indicate you're not getting adequate oxygen, or if you have confusion or sleeping problems. The best way to get out of trouble is to stay out of trouble. I've mentioned this before. The best way to prevent COVID-19 infection is to avoid being exposed. You want to avoid being exposed to the COVID virus, which is spread from person to person through respiratory droplets. Extra vigilance is still needed because there still is no vaccine to prevent infection. And like I mentioned, you can't look at someone and determine if they have a COVID-19 infection. One of the key steps you can take to protect your family And yourself from COVID-19 infection is social distancing. This has been a big buzzword. We've all heard it. Spread of coronavirus is increased by being in close contact with others. So it is recommended to maintain at least six feet of distance from one another to reduce the likelihood of virus spread through respiratory droplets. Keep that six feet between you so you don't eat someone's spit. You also want to be sure you do not share personal items that come into contact with saliva. These personal items include dishes, eating utensils, drinking glasses, cups, towels, bedding. You don't want to share your pillow. You know, you guys and gals who slobber all over your pillow when you sleep because you may give someone coronavirus if you have it. Don't share these personal items. You want to wear a cloth covering or mask that covers your mouth and nose when around others or in public places and always, always cover your coughs and sneezes. Hand and surface washing is very important. You wanna wash your hands regularly with soap and water for at least 20 seconds or a hand sanitizer that is at least 60% alcohol. This is imperative in reducing the transmission of coronavirus. It is also imperative that you clean and disinfect surfaces regularly that are touched frequently like tabletops, handles, doorknobs, and fixtures. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, y'all. Immediately after you cough, sneeze, blow your nose, touch surfaces or use the restroom. And by the way, have you ever paid any attention to how many people that don't wash their hands after using the restroom? I'm talking about number one and number two. I don't know the exact number myself, but it has to be very low based on an unofficial count I've collected in the past, my unofficial data. From going into numerous public restrooms such as in restaurants, movie theaters, and airports. People would use the bathroom and not wash their hands and then try to shake your hand and look at you like you're wrong for refusing to shake their dirty hand. There are some nasty people out there. Remember that. Do not touch your eyes. Do not touch your nose. Do not touch your mouth. Do you remember your mother saying that when you were a kid? Wise mothers have been giving this advice for decades, for millennia probably. And now we understand why they didn't want us to get coronavirus. No, they just understood how disease is spread and they don't want you to put your nasty hands in your your mouth, in your face. Catch something that you don't want to be having. So, wow. We discussed a truckload of important information about COVID-19 basics, about the fundamentals. Again, my purpose is to be informative only and not confrontational. Remember that COVID-19 is a virus and it is. And it is spread person to person by respiratory droplets and simple mitigation measures like social distancing, facial coverings and hand washing can significantly reduce the spread and get our lives back to normal. There are tests for the disease and like anything else, they are not perfect, but they are darn good. And we will finish up our COVID-19 discussion in part two. And now for my favorite part of the show, Damn He Is Healthy. I'm talking about the former WWE World Heavyweight Champion. He even partnered with the all-time great Ric Flair, my dude, to become World Tag Team Champions. A man who plays a superhero so endeared that I have nicknamed my youngest son after him because of his literal interpretations of many things I say. He is the professionally beautiful looking and being healthy, a part of his job description. I'm talking about my VA homeboy, the buff, the funny, Dave Batista. A wellness quote from Dave. I'm not afraid to go up to people and pick their brains and ask for advice. To me, that's how you get better. That's how I've gotten better at everything I've ever done. Don't be too proud to ask for help. Wow. Amazing words from an amazing guy. When you are looking to improve yourself in any area, be it health and fitness or building sandcastles, do not hesitate to ask for help, to ask for advice from someone who is knowledgeable and experienced. Remember that being sexy ain't easy. This is Sean Fit 50 again. It's been my pleasure, y'all. Thank you.